My old nature has been crucified with Christ. Uh, that's the reason why we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things are becoming new. As we continue uh, in the series of Breaking Free, I want to talk to you this morning about one of the blessings of freedom in Christ. And uh, it can be measured in the kind of confidence and security that a person possesses in their life. Confident and secure. Sounds like a, uh, a tag for a commercial for deodorant, right? Confident and secure. And you know what? It's probably not too far uh, off from, from that topic this morning. But I do want to preface everything I say this morning by just reminding you of this, that everything that we have in Christ, every blessing that we have in Christ, this freedom that we've been talking about for a number of weeks now, that we have in Christ is the result of a grace-faith-based relationship. It is the gift of God, grace through faith. We, re- we believe and therefore we receive. God gives. He extends his gift of grace. We believe it. We receive it. And you know, if you think about it, every single thing that we have is on the basis of grace through faith. Every gift that we have is on the basis of grace through faith. And, and I, I can't stress that enough because even, even the repentance, which is just simply another way of saying that God turned us around, he turned us from darkness to light, he turned us from walking away from him to walk toward him, even that, the Bible says, it is based upon the goodness of God. And the faith that enables me to believe unto salvation, even the faith to believe unto salvation is a gift of of God. So it it all goes back to him. There's nothing that we could brag about, boast about. I have have a dear problem, Uh, not a DEA problem. I'm doing really well in that department. Thank you, dear. Uh, I have a DEE problem. Our problem, uh, Bambi, John, John Deere, get it, and uh, Buck, wander onto my back property, wander onto, wander onto my land, my property. They are under the misconception that it's the Olive Garden, and all my plants and flowers are a part of the all-you-can-eat salad bar. It's true. Uh, they are destroying my, my hostas, eating my... First, first they go for the hostas, and then, it, and then a little later they, they wait for the flowers to grow a little bit more mature, and then they eat all the flowers. And I'm not just upset because of the loss of the flowers and the plants, but, but, but deers have ticks, and ticks carry Lyme disease. So, so I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real issue for me. It's a problem. My wife was having a casual conversation a while ago, because this is going on for a few years, uh, with her, her beautician, the lady who cuts her hair, and she mentioned our deer problem to her. And the lady said, oh, my, my husband is a deer hunter. He would love to come and just sit on your property and, and take down one of them, you know. But he probably would get in trouble, Right? So my wife says to me a couple of days ago, she says, honey, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, I don't know, honey, surprise me. She says, how about a bow and arrow? My gentle little wife, bow and arrow. I said, I said make it a shotgun and we're talking. She says, honey, sound, the gun, noise, the neighbors, 
that won't work. I said, okay, then how about a crossbow? Now, I don't know if I would really harm one of those little monsters, you know, but, but the fact of the matter is I've tried scaring them away and it doesn't work. I come, when I see them in the backyard eating my plants, I come running out of the house like a crazy person, waving my arms and yelling and screaming at them, and they just stare at you <laughs> with this stupid look on their face like, like if, if, if I knew what they were thinking, it would be something like, dude, what is your problem? You know? Or like, it's another crazy human that we got to deal with, you know? And, and so scaring them doesn't work. Uh, because of the size of my property and because of the layout, I mean, a fence is not going to work. I mean, I would need an eight-foot fence because they, they spring over anything smaller than that. So that's not going to work. So I've and I got this problem. So, so what I did was I went to, you know, the big humongous store, the pet store, you know, for, for a... For some idea about how I could repel these, these deer, right? And they don't have anything there. Of course, they like pets, right? We, we need a pet killer, you know? So I go to the hardware store and I find a, a pet, uh, not a pet, a, a deer repellent. It's a spray, you know? And you, and you spray it on your flowers and, uh, you, you know, it repels the deer. The deer doesn't like it. What I found it to be is that it is a human repellent. It stinks. In fact, I was going to br- bring it here this morning and ask for a volunteer to come and sniff this thing that's in this container. But you know what? I, have, I'm more mer- I didn't want to ruin anybody's Father's Day because I tell you what, I figured you probably want to eat in the next 24 hours and it would just absolutely spoil your appetite. I'm, I'm telling you, I am not lying. I was, the other day when I was spraying the flowers, I was apologizing to the flowers. I would say, I am so sorry to do this to you. I really said that. I'm so sorry to do this to you, but, but, but here's the choice. It's either this or be eaten by monsters. You know, really. Remember the, the some of you might remember the episode of, of Seinfeld, you know, where uh, uh, Newman says to Kramer, he says, he's to, he encourages him to, to say this to a store owner. He said, just tell him that you are loathsome and you emit a foul and unpleasant odor. This is the mother of all foul and unpleasant odors. Believe me. This thing stinks, right? And so I'm spraying, spraying my flowers, repelling that. And then all of a sudden, right, I'm, I'm doing this the other day, and, and all of a sudden it occurs to me. I mean, it hits me like a ton of bricks. I, I wouldn't say the Spirit of God spoke to me, but just inside, inside here in my heart, it's, I just got hit with this feeling that this is the kind of offensive and abhorrent odor that us human beings make when we are absolutely self-centered and selfish. I mean, doesn't the scripture talk about that God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble? And I really, I really believe that if selfishness had a fragrance, it would smell just as bad as the stuff that's in that bottle. I tell you what, the, the NYPD could have used it to bust up the protesters in Occupy Wall Street. You know, that's how bad it is. You know, and in God's sight, listen, pride and selfishness and self-centeredness is absolutely offensive. I want you to know this morning that Webster defines in his dictionary, selfishness as this. And you could read 
along with me. The exclusive regard to one's own interest or happiness, that supreme self-love and or self-preference, which leads a person to direct his purposes to the advancement of his own interest, power, or happiness without regarding those of others. It is the supreme self-love, self-preference. There's lots of terms that we use, you know, for self-centeredness, you know, egocentric, uh, somebody who is, you know, you've heard that expression, somebody who is just full of themselves. You know, let me just, let me just ask you for a moment to think of somebody that you might know who, who fits into that category, who is just so conceited, just so full of themselves or full of herself. And, you know, immediately, you know, a couple of people come to mind. I don't want to tell you who it was, but, but, you know, they come to mind. And imagine that if it's obnoxious to us flawed individuals, us imperfect people, how much more obnoxious and odorous is it to God? Think about that. They say that if you ever come across a decomposing human body, that you'll never forget the smell of rotting flesh. I wonder if that's God's way of, by design, reminding us that there's no hope for the flesh apart from the grace of God. That's why we must be born again. Even, you know, as, as, as harsh as that might sound, as seemingly a, a difficult verdict as that may sound, even adorable little people like children, like toddlers, they, they, they reveal our proclivity towards selfishness. See if you don't recognize this in the mantra of, of a toddler, okay? This is, this is, this is how a, a, a toddler thinks. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If I'm building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like it's mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, automatically it becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Isn't that true? You know, the cute little toddlers, you know? Mine, mine. I remember a number of years ago, there was a little girl, maybe about 10 years old, you know, and she was stomping her feet right after service and telling her parents, I want what I want, and I want it now. Remember that? Cute little thing. Yeah. We, 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 we call them children who are high-maintenance but they really kind of reflect what we are by nature. And so we grow a little older and we get a little bit more sophisticated about our self-centeredness and our selfishness. Uh, We mature, but the motives are, are basically unchanged unless we have an encounter with Christ, which is why we need a new heart and a new nature. Steve Farrar is a Christian author, and he describes selfish ambition uh, in this particular way. He, he, he says that it is deficient wisdom. Uh, wisdom, in other words, that is flawed. 
And he uses this illustration to, to make his point. He says, he says, imagine two men having a discussion about a third man. And so one says to the other, let me describe him to you. He's the kind of guy who follows you into revolving doors and comes out ahead of you. You got that picture? Selfish ambition. But when the Bible talks about selfish ambition, it's a little bit more stark. For instance, in James chapter 3, verse 14, it says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every, and every evil kind. Uh, the understanding of that, it, it becomes the habitation of demons. I mean, verse 5 literally says that this kind of selfishness is devilish, it's demonic. So where did all this start? You know, where, where did all this begin? You know, and so suppose we got to go back to the the Garden of Gethsemane, or the Garden of, uh, sorry, the Garden of Paradise. We've got to go back to the beginning, right? But, but I, want, I want you to look with me for a moment at something the Apostle Paul said in, in giving a verdict about all mankind, both Jews and Gentiles. Ultimately, he's going to bring us to the point of letting us know that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. But he, he gives such a scathing indictment against the human race by saying this. The reason why we are the way in which we are, the reason why man is selfish and self-centered is because he has believed the lie. And he has exchanged the truth about God for the lie and has worshipped and served the creature instead of the creator who is to be praised forevermore. It is not believing a lie. It is believing the, the, the lie. What is the lie? The lie that I could be independent, that I could be self-sufficient, that I could be myself for myself, that, that I could be sovereign, that I could be self-ruling, that I could be as God. That is the lie that man believed. And as a result of that, he began to worship the creation the creature instead of the creator. Therefore, God gave him over to a depraved mind. Selfishness, devilish, and sensual is what he became instead of becoming self-sufficient and autonomous. The Rolling Stones back in my generation, you know, their, their lyrics expressed the, the, the frustration. I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need, which is an expression of, of not being fulfilled, of not being satisfied. Remember the, remember the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks? FedEx plane crashes. Tom Hanks is, is washed ashore on an island. He's the only survivor. He's, he's all alone for four years on, on this island. You know, he learns how to make fire. He learns how to survive, loses a tremendous amount of, of weight, doesn't have much to eat on that island. Try, he's trying to get off. He can't get off the island. The thing that almost breaks him completely is, is this one word called loneliness, which really reveals the fact that we are not an island. Somebody said that. Man is not an island. He, he's got needs. 
And, and, and the needs are, you remember in one of the scenes, if you've seen the movie, he finds a volleyball and he makes a face on, the, on that volleyball and it becomes his friend Wilson. And he speaks to Wilson as a personal friend for the next four years. What kept him from losing his mind. Why? Because we are not autonomous. Think about so many of the the, the love songs, or, or the so-called love songs, you know, 10,000 of them, you know, you can think about. You know, that, that kind of express the, the mantra of what I'm, I'm trying to drive this point home at this morning. I can't live if living is without you. I can't give. I can't give anymore. In, in those two lines that I just quoted, the word I appeared about five, six times. In fact, in the whole song, just, just, just a couple of lyrics, uh, says, no, I can't forget this evening or your face as you were leaving, but I guess that's just the way the story goes. You always smile, but in your eyes, your sorrow shows. Yes, it shows. No, I can't forget tomorrow when I think about all my sorrows, when I had you there, but then I let you go, and now it's only fair that I should let you know. It's, it's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about mine. It's the toddler's mantra grown up. And if you think about most love songs, it's all about It's all about me. It's all about I, my needs, my desires, my pleasure. That's the way it is. And that's what's happened to us. Fatal Attraction, uh, you think of Fatal Attraction, you think of a movie a couple of years ago, but but I'm not referring to that kind of Fatal Attraction. uh, A story uh, in Greek mythology uh, about narcissists. Uh, Narcissist was a beautiful baby and would grow into a handsome, beautiful person. And his mother was told that as long as he doesn't see his own reflection, he'll live to be a, a good long, he'll have a good long life. So as a young man, he, he, he grew really very handsome and, and he broke many hearts. But he wasn't interested in love and as a result of that, you know, he became, because of the compliments, because of many of the girls pursuing him, he became extremely conceited and, and, and actually quite cruel as well with, with some of them. And on one occasion, when this one broken heart was, was crying out, this goddess uh, heard the cries for vengeance and decided to kind of fix narcissists. And so what she did was she arranged for narcissists to fall in love, but in a way that he could never be fulfilled. And you might know the story. It happens as he comes upon a clear spring and he catches a glimpse of himself in the pool. And as he stoops down to look at himself, he falls in love and he, he actually becomes lovesick, obsessed with his own reflection and his own image. He becomes tormented and obsessed and tortured by his own reflection to the point where he takes a dagger and he plunges it into his heart And he says one last goodbye in the reflection of his own image from his blood. Amazing. But the point is is quite quite obvious. Self-love, self-centeredness, narcissism. We use that expression. My wife said, did it without even knowing I was going to mention this. She just mentioned a little while ago about a, a, a narcissistic syndrome. This is the kind of depravity that Paul speaks about in, in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. It's the kind of self-love. It's the kind of, it's the kind of falling in love with creation 
I mean, if you think about it, what, what is homosexuality? But it's the, the love of self-image. It's pornography. Is, is, there is such, in our culture, such an obsession with, with the human body. It's nothing but the worship of the creation. It is idolatry, simply put. When we love something more than we love God. Remember what the definition of selfishness was, the exclusive regard of one's own happiness, the supreme self-love. That's what it is. When I think about my life before Christ, some almost 40 years ago now, I think about the way that, 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 that I once was. I think about my life before Christ. Uh, self-centered. I wasn't as bad as narcissists, but, but maybe not that much better. You know, all I was interested in was in my pleasure, my interest, the things that made me happy. You know, my addictions, my pleasures, my money. You know, even my wife was to make me happy, was to satisfy my needs. Carlos Flores is a resident of East Harlem. On a November day a couple of years ago, at the 103rd Street Station, waiting for a train on a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning to, to, to get a, a ride to work, there was a lot of people on the platform, and one man kind of passed out, fainted, and fell onto the tracks. So Carlos jumped off of the platform and onto the tracks and made the save. Heroic action, wouldn't you say? Wait, not quite. In a subsequent interview with the Daily News, Flores revealed what was really on his mind when he made the jump. I quote, I was thinking, if he gets hit, I can't get to work. It's Sunday. It's time and a half pay. I can't miss out. What if it was a Monday? What would have happened if it was a Tuesday or if it was a day in which there wasn't time and a half? Would he have done the same thing? We really don't know. We'll never know. But one thing we do know is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And his heart was revealed. The motives were revealed. So let me tell you for the next few minutes about the man who changed human destiny, the man who jumped upon the tracks of human history and sacrificed himself out of not narcissistic love, but out of the most self-sacrificing love that the, that the New Testament writers had to hijack a word because there was no word for this kind of love in the Greco-Roman Empire. The word became associated with the gospel. It's agape. It's the self-sacrificing divine type of love that Jesus Christ demonstrated, and it became the word synonymous with the gospel. I believe that one look of faith at this one who gave himself for us is sufficient enough to bring about a deliverance from this self-centeredness, this, this selfishness, to, to free us from the chains of selfishness. One look. How do I know that? Well, remember Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
as a result of the serpents that were in the wilderness biting the people that were in the wilderness and poison coursing through their bodies, God provided a, a means by which they could be healed if they were bitten by these serpents. Moses made a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole, and if anyone was bit, they, all they had to do was to look at the serpent, and in faith, that would nullify the poison coursing through their body. When we, by faith, look to Jesus Christ, he nullifies this, this fatal disease and sickness that is spread to the whole human race. You know what happens when, 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 when one member in the family gets a virus, you know, gets a bug, a stomach virus, it goes through the whole family, right? I, I remember a stomach virus I had 20 years ago that I got at your Aunt Gloria's house. And we will never forget it because it was, we, want, we wanted to die. It was, there were not, not enough bathrooms in the house for us. We were like five, five of us in the house, right? Wasn't enough bathrooms in the house. I mean, it was like, I can't even go there. But that's exactly what's happened to the whole human race. We've all become infected by this thing called sin. And the essence of sin, the essence of the flesh, is selfishness. If you want to know what sin is, it is self-centered, egocentric, self-love. But the look at his bloody sweat, the look at the, the nails in his hands and his feet, the, the furrows that were plowed into his back, the cry of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The eternal separation that he experienced in those hours of, of absolute darkness. That's enough. That's, that's sufficient to bring about a change, to bring about the deliverance, the breaking of the chains of darkness. Remember what the ancient writer Isaiah said, that by his bleeding stripes we are healed. This is the love of God at work in setting people free. This is the love of God sacrificing itself on our behalf so that we who are guilty might go free. You know that fishermen don't put lids on their basket of crabs? Did you know that? Anybody know that? The reason why they, they don't do that, it's unnecessary to put a cover on a basket of crabs is because when the crabs, <clears throat> while, while, while freedom is just inches away, when, whenever one crab tries to escape, the others pull them back. <clears throat> That's like the nature of selfishness. If I can't have it, you can't have it. But look at what Paul the Apostle says about this one who changed the course of human destiny by jumping upon the tracks of human history. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others more than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interest, but also on the interest of others. Your attitude, that is your mindset, the way in which you think, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. His life and love in sacrifice. 
is not only meant to inspire us, it's meant to rewire us. Listen, his sacrifice was meant to rewire the way in which we think that our minds might be renewed by the Spirit of God, that we would be different from the the modus operandi of this world, that we would be in the world but not of this world. So Paul says this. He says, for Christ's love compels us Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. They should no longer, we should no longer live selfishly for ourselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The rewiring of our passions and our desires and our priorities that come to us by the importation of Christ. This happens to us not just simply because Jesus died for us, but that Jesus comes to live inside of us. He did not spare himself. He did not protect himself. He did not save himself, but he gave himself. I love, I love that thought that this is the one who gave himself for us. You know, Paul is, is one who, who, who believed what he also preached. And he followed, you know, he followed Jesus. He said, follow me even as I follow the Lord. And, and when faced with, with death and, and suffering and imprisonment, he didn't save himself. He didn't spare himself. He didn't protect himself. L- l- listen to what he says. And, and this just so sums up what it means to really be free. He says, and now... Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Listen to this. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. That is true freedom. To come to the place and point in your life when you don't regard your life but you regard the life that was given to you more than your own. I'm moved by this, inspired by this, and we're rewired by this. This is, this is deodorant of the best kind. This is what changes that foul smell of self-centeredness that I spoke about in the beginning of this message to to become what Paul said was to walk in love as dearly beloved children, just as Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice that was sweet-smelling an aroma and fragrance unto God. That's what we're to be. We're to diffuse the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. We're to bring the, the, the essence of Jesus, this unselfish, this self for others instead of self for self that makes an impact and a change. Maybe not not in the whole world, but one person at a time because they have seen a difference in us and they want to know. They ask, what makes you different than everyone else? The man who was the most self-righteous, religious, proud Pharisee of his day, the most obnoxious and repulsive, became a fragrance that was sweet-smelling, an aroma unto God. Listen, the blessedness of breaking free from selfish living is to be confident and secure. 
and say it again, the blessedness of breaking free from selfish living is to become confident and secure. I mentioned my life before Christ uh, some almost 40 years ago, and it would be, it would be dumb for me to tell you how, how wonderful I am. Uh, let somebody else, the Bible says, declare your praises. But my wife tells me all the time, and that's the only reason why I mention it. She says, she says I'm wonderful. And I always remind her whenever we get into a disagreement, honey, didn't you, didn't you say a little while ago I, I was wonderful? You know, kind of, you know, uh, diffuse the situation a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're wonderful. The only reason why I mention that is to say, I, I thank God that I'm not what I once was. I may not be right now what I would like to be, but I'm on my way. Andrew said it a little while ago, we're in process. We're, we're being changed. We're being what? Conformed to the image, not of narcissists who loved his own reflection, but, but we're being changed from glory to glory by the reflection of Christ Jesus. So if there's any wonderfulness about any of us, it it is the reflection that we have to Christ. The moon cannot boast of its own light. The moon can only reflect if it's in the juxtaposition to the sun. And if we're in the juxtaposition to the Son of God, then, then there's a light that can shine from us and from us. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so that I might give myself to him and to others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the precious truth that you've come to set us free from self-centeredness and selfishness. That it's a look of faith that you require that we come to you this morning. Father, Father, And if there's any here this morning who've never made that transition, that have never understood this grace, faith-based relationship, that it is a gift that comes not of works, lest anyone should boast, but it comes through the look of faith when we see the one who sweat those bloody drops, whose body was crucified for us, as us, so that we might be set free. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here, you'd search the house this morning and that today they would leave this place with the confident security of having their lives hid with Christ in God. Would you do that this morning, Father? Would you, would you seek and save the lost? Because that's what you came to do, not to be served, but to serve and to give yourself as a ransom for many. And would you just remind those of us who are Christ followers that we're in process and that the image of the Son of God is being reproduced in us and and therefore we, we, we ought to let this same mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. Mind of serving, a mind of giving, a mind of sacrificing. That we're being changed into that glorious image. That's true freedom. And we all said together, amen.